Sometimes I wonder, I don't know if you ever had this feeling like that Hollywood, people in Hollywood, they're not, they're not talking together. Um, like you remember a few, I guess it was last year, maybe two years ago, um, they came out with a movie, Olympus Has Fallen. Anybody see that? It's rated R and you're not 17, <laughs> telling your parents. Um, Olympus Has Fallen came out. And then like the next month, White House Down came out, which was like the exact same movie. And you're like, did nobody like talk about this? Like, you know, there came out, I think recently there was a Hercules that came out. But this summer, what I'm calling the real Hercules is coming out. And it's going to be the real Hercules because The Rock is in it. And The Rock is one of my favorite people on the planet. In fact, if I could, if I could be like any person like other than one of you because I esteem you guys so greatly... If somebody said, hey, who would you want to look like? It would probably be The Rock. I'd take even like normal Rock. But this is, from my understanding, this is getting ready for Hercules Rock. It might be pain and gain Rock. That's the same guy. That is two different builds. He's ginormous. Now, I would love to be ripped like The Rock, but here's what I found out. The Rock gets up for this movie for Hercules. He's been getting up at 4.30 every morning to start working out. Now his workouts, are, it's this, it's 50 minutes of cardio and then he does an hour of weight training on one like body part, like an hour just on legs or an hour just on arms or an hour just on chest. And he does that 4.30 in the morning, basically two hours of working out. He does it six days a week. And he's gone over 170 days without a cheat day. Then he tweeted out what his daily food is. Put that up there. That's the next slide. This is what he eats on a normal day during this. Meal, he has, look at that, seven meals. A 10-ounce filet with four egg whites, five ounces of oatmeal or cream of wheat. Then meal two, eight-ounce chicken, two cups of white rice, a cup of broccoli. Then an eight-ounce halibut, that's fish. Um, two cups of white rice, a cup of asparagus. 8-ounce chicken, 12-ounce baked potato, a cup of broccoli. Meal 5, 8-ounces of fish, a cup and a half of white rice, a cup of asparagus. Meal 6, an 8-ounce filet, 9-ounce baked potato with a salad. Then his seventh meal is 30 grams of protein, 10 egg whites. And it was a cup of onions, a cup of peppers, and mushrooms. And then he was joking at the bottom. He said, and then at night he has a cup of lion's blood to wash it all down. But So, so he's 4.30 in the morning working out. For 50 minutes of cardio, an hour worth of weights, and then he eats that during the day. So when I see that, that's what he's done for over 170 straight days. And I look at that, and here's, here's the truth. As much as I would love to look like The Rock, and you guys that mock me, I've been going to the gym for a couple of weeks now. True? Yeah? You can have a treadmill partner right there. Um, 50 minutes of cardio, that's what I call a week, not, not one day. That's what I mean. And so what he sacrifices become that I'm not willing to do. And what we're going to talk about tonight as we move into the series called Transformed, we're going to talk about spiritual transformation, is this truth. Transformation, in, in really any realm, transformation starts with sacrifice. Now, some of you came in this room, you've got areas of your life you would love to see transformed, you'd love to see changed. It might be some friendships or relationships. You've got a bunch of friends, but you don't feel like you've got maybe that one close friend that's got your back no matter what. And, so, and you would go, man, I wish I could really have some friendships or at least a friendship that, man, goes, stands the test of time. I got somebody there with me. 
But some of you feel trapped. You've got friends. You don't have that one person that sees the world the way you see it. And you've got a group of friends and you sense attention on a regular basis because your friends like you. And this is normal. This is okay. But you have friends that go, man, I want to be liked. I want people to think well of me. But honestly, you, you know this. I know this. In order to have a lot of people to think well of you, to be popular, a lot of times you've got to take maybe some beliefs or some morals and put them on the line. And they've got to become questionable. And you've got this group of friends that they want to be liked, you want to be liked, and they spend their weekends hanging out places that you don't really want to be. You want to be popular, but you don't want to be at the party. You don't want to be at someone's house when their parents are at home because you know, because you've heard the stories, that things can go sideways. Things can turn out bad. You don't want to be wrong place, wrong time even. And so you're in this tension. I have these friends, and they're over here. My other alternative is CSI on Friday night with my mom and dad, and that's not real appealing, and, I, and I'm stuck in between in between this tension and you go, I just wish I had some friendships that would transform, that would change. And guys, I'll tell you this, it's true in anything. Transformation starts with sacrifice. You may have to be the person who sacrifices some fear or sacrifices some standards of what you want some friends there. You know, you know what would be incredible? And I guarantee you, I don't know if I can guarantee it. I'm going to say I can guarantee it. I can guarantee you wouldn't be alone. Some of, there's somebody in this room that probably needs to go, you know what? I just I don't want to hang out there, but I don't know who else to hang out with. There's probably some other people in, in my boat. And so you're going to come in next Wednesday night and say, hey, on Friday night, me and a friend are going to see this at the movies. We want to invite anybody to meet us there at 7. If you don't want to go to the party, you want to hang out and do something that, that uses your brain and doesn't you know, offend Jesus, come to the movies. And it might just be you and that one friend that you got. But you might be surprised if 10, 15 people show up. And the next week, you, you, I'll help you. I'll help you advertise that. You might say, hey, the next week on Friday night, we're all going to show up at, at whatever. We're going to go bowling. Now, you've got to sacrifice something. You've got to sacrifice the chance that you show up at the bowling alley and it's just you and a bunch of people with gloves and plaid shoes. And you're like, I feel weird now. You've got to, you've got to chance it. Take fear and sacrifice it. But what you'll find out is transformation in relationships might change because you're willing to sacrifice. Or it might be parent relationships. You, you know, some of y'all are going to go home tonight and, and your parents are, you guys are at it, you know, fist to fist, yelling, there, there's arguments because they expect things of you that you're not quite wanting to do, you know, that type thing. And and you know, you've maybe been in church before and you know, man, I need to honor my parents. I need to obey. Maybe what you have to sacrifice is your own pride. Maybe you got to sacrifice your pride and go, you know what? My parents are asking me to do this. I don't want to do it. But in order to have transformation or change at home, I'm going to do what they ask. It may be not just doing what you ask. It may be that you actually do what the Bible says and honor your parents. And it's not just doing what they say, but letting your body language and your attitude reflect that you're okay with it. Because your parents might go, hey, go clean your room, or whatever they say. And you go, okay, fine. Well, that's obedience. But okay, fine isn't honoring. And maybe you've got to sacrifice your will and your desires and your own autonomy to make a transformation happen at home. Or if I haven't scratched the itch yet for you, friends and parents, I'll bet you would love to have your stress level transformed. 
I bet you'd love to have your schedule change a little bit because you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends. And I, and I understand that, guys. I'll tell you, it's a different world. When I was going into my senior year in high school, I, I had my schedule for my senior year, and I had AP English. And that was back before you could have like ACC stuff and things like that. So that was the only way to get college credit. And so I go into my counselor's office because they called me down into the office. And I walk in and she says, hands me my schedule. And she goes, you're doing AP English. It's going to be first period. And she hands me the sheet of paper. And I go, what's this sheet of paper? Now, this is the end of my junior year, about to be summer. It's like this time of the year. She hands me this sheet of paper. I go, what is this? It's got books on it. And she goes, that's your summer reading list. You guys probably have that. I'd never had one of those things before. And I was like, well, what do you mean summer reading list? Like I got a summer swimming pool list and I've got a summer beach list. I don't have a summer reading list. And she goes, if you're in AP English, you have to read these books before you show up for the beginning of the school year. And I went, does, does honors English have a reading list? And she goes, no. And I was like, that's the class I'm in. Like, put me in that. But that's foreign to you guys. Most, that, that's just the norm. Because you guys, you guys, and it's not your fault, it's your culture, but you're living by the, the words of one of the great saints, the saint, you, you'll know him, he's the great saint of Talladega, Ricky Bobby, who said, if you're not first, you're last. That's kind of what you guys live. I mean, I got, so I got to do AP, I've got to do all this stuff. Athletics, you go till the end of the evening for your sport almost year round. I have a friend who has a five-year-old, he's five years old, he's in T-ball. They had a game on Saturday. They didn't know when their game started until Friday night. The coach called the, or emailed the parents on Friday night, said the game is at 10, 15 a.m. They show up, five-year-old plays t-ball. These kids don't know which direction to run once they hit the ball. Have a 10, 15 game, they win. The coach comes back to the family and says, we play again at 2, 15. They win that game. The coach comes back and says, we play again at 5, 45. Five years old. Three t-ball games. They couldn't even get a, a, a weekend schedule because they didn't even know until Friday night when they would play because they, they're living this, this life. And so many of you guys, you get it. Whatever the coach says, you got to do. Because if you don't do it, you're not playing. And if you're not playing, you're not somebody because if you're not first, you're last. Ricky Bobby doesn't know anything about what's good for you. But you would go, man, I just wish I could be de-stressed. Well, I'm just going to tell you transformation, changing your schedule, changing your stress level, just like friends, just like family, it requires sacrifice. You're going to have to kill something on your schedule or you'll never experience the, la the, the less stress. And then you came in tonight and some of you, probably most of you came in because you'd love to see a transformation in your spiritual life. You, you want to walk close with God. You want to sense the Holy Spirit talking to you. You want to hear the voice of God. You want to be a, a, a follower of Jesus who is having their life transformed. And here's the truth. Transformation starts with sacrifice. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at two verses and that's it. And then Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, here's going to be where we're camping out. I'm going to read them both. And then tonight we're just going to be in verse 1. That's all we're going to talk about. But here's what Paul says. He's written a letter to Christians in Rome, and he says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." 
Now, we're going to be here for three weeks, but tonight we're just, I want you to, to take a minute and journey with me through verse 1, and we're going to look at it kind of phrase by phrase to see what Paul says about our spiritual transformation. And he starts with this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, my, I had a mentor growing up. Um, he's actually still my mentor, and he taught me some things about how to study the Bible. And this is kind of a, a cutesy thing, but it, it comes in handy. He said, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, like as in verse one, when he says, I appeal to you, therefore, he, he taught me this. He said, when you see therefore, you need to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Why is it there? What's it saying? Because the writer of the passage, Paul is trying to reflect back on something that's in chapter 11. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, because of what we just talked about, this. So we need to figure that out. Romans 12, I mean, Romans chapter 11, Paul is talking about salvation. He's talking about a relationship between God and people. And Paul has, has kind of opened up for them that, that Jesus has saved your life. You started following Jesus, and now heaven is what's going to happen to you one day when you die. And, and not only do you have heaven one day, but you've got God on your side now. So he says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, therefore. And that word appeal is kind of like it means it means. I put my arm around you. And so like if he was saying in English, he might say, hey, come over here. And he puts his arm around you and he says, hey, think back about what God did. Because of what God has done for you, because God saved you, because your life is new and Jesus is in charge, because now you have purpose, arm around him. I'm an, I appeal to you, therefore, in view of God's mercy that he saved you, here's what you do. Because God saved you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we read that and we're like, okay, you know, debrief that. What does that mean? But remember, Paul is writing to Christians who live in Rome. And so whether they had once lived in Jerusalem and seen lambs sacrificed once a year and other times, or they lived in Rome where they saw people sacrifice animals to the, to the Roman gods, sacrificing animals, the sacrificial system, that's very common to them. And so on a regular basis in the temple, people brought animals and they slit the animal's neck and blood. And it was like this worship offering to, to, uh, to one of the, the Roman gods. So that's a picture of them. And Paul says, because, again, remember, arm around you. Listen, because of what God's done in your life, because he saved you, because he's poured out his mercy on you. You, in response to that, offer your lives as a sacrifice. You're not bringing sheep or animals like the people in the Roman temples. You are going to climb up on the altar yourself. But he makes sure that he puts the word living in there so that nobody's like, you know, taking a knife and like, I love you, Jesus. You know, and like, because that's not, that's not the plan. You're offering your life as a living sacrifice. What he means is everything that you are, your physical life, your emotions, your time, your resources, everything you put on the altar and you go, God, because you saved me, I'm giving you everything back because you deserve it. That's, that's a pretty heavy concept. It's not Sunday or Wednesday. It's everything. It's not your friendships. It's also your boyfriends and girlfriends. It's not just, it's just, it's not just your sports. It's your, it's your integrity when you're taking tests and doing homework. It's everything. It is your attitude towards your parents. It's every part of you says, God, because of what you did for me, I'm climbing up on the altar willing to give it all up, willing to sacrifice it all. There was a lady, her name was Dr. Eleanor Chestnut, and her story amazes me. 
she, she was a missionary way back, almost before the turn of the century, 18, late 1890s. She goes to this country to build a hospital. She's a missionary who's a, a doctor. And there's not any funds. And so she has gone and moved to this other country. She's liquidated everything she has. And she actually is building the hospital for these people that she doesn't know out of her own money. People are sending her money. She's liquidated her, all of her resources, sold off her property. And she's buying the bricks and mortar to build this hospital. And it's a slow process. It's so slow that while the, hotel, the hospital's being built, she's already working on people. She's doing surgery in the bathroom of the hospital to save people's lives. And then the story gets crazy. She had a guy that came in that, that needed medical attention, and he was going to have to have his leg amputated. And in the course of having his leg amputated, there was a need for a skin graft where they take skin from uh, somebody else, a cadaver or something, and they, and they put it over the, the injury so the skin kind of grows back together. This guy doesn't have the skin graft. He's going to die. They've amputated the leg. There's no place to get a skin graft in this remote area. But somehow another guy survives. This is a true story. Three days later, she's walking through the hospital limping. And another doctor asked her, why are you limping? And her, her response to him was, it's nothing. But what everybody else knew was she had, with just local anesthesia, taken her own skin off of her body and grafted it onto her patient. Now, you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of somebody who's all in. That's a woman who said, this hospital is my life. And these patients are quite literally my life. I will give my own skin with no anesthesia other than local anesthesia in order to save these people. And when Paul says, hey, because of what God has done for you, you got to crawl up on the altar and offer yourself a living sacrifice. That's what he's saying. It's all in. The problem with youth ministries today and churches today is we have a lot of people who are quote unquote followers of Jesus as long as Jesus is going where they want to go. They're not all in, they're in by convenience. And Paul says, if you want to see spiritual transformation in your life, spiritual transformation doesn't come from being halfway in. It's a living sacrifice. And then he says this, he, he, he adds a little tack on the end. He says, it's, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now the word holy just literally means set apart. Like if you had something that was going to be for worship, um, like you maybe you grew up in, in a faith where they had holy water, that water is set apart for worship. People don't come up and like dip a cup in the holy water. They don't do that because the water has been set apart. It's special. It's been set apart for God. He says your life has to, as you climb the altar, also needs to be holy and it needs to be acceptable. It needs to be a gift worthy of giving God. In that sacrifice system, like, like if somebody brought an animal to sacrifice to the, to the fake gods, I mean, they didn't bring like, you know, like, like a, a, a calf that had like three legs, you know, they like drug along, you know, you know, because they can't walk. Hey, we'll give you this, the gods, we'll give you this lamb. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that. If they brought like a, a grain offering, an offering of, of agriculture, they didn't bring like dead stuff. They brought things of value. And so Paul says, if you're going to give your life and make it a living sacrifice, it's got to be set apart, holy, and it's got to be acceptable. What that means is as you're walking with God, we go, God, this is my sacrifice. 
We're not offering him up a relationship that says, I'm going to be very blunt with you. A holy and acceptable sacrifice doesn't say, hey, God, I'm going to give you my life because of what you've done for me, because of your mercies. But you know what, God, here's my life. And I've been sleeping with my girlfriend every day for the last three months. That's not a holy and acceptable offering. People sin and people make mistakes and God forgives. But if you're following Jesus, you don't continue to follow Jesus and embrace sin. You don't continue to when God reveals it. goes, hey, this is, this is not what's best for you. You don't go, oh, yeah, God, middle finger, and, and I'm going to do my own thing. God says that, that, that life you're living needs to be a holy life, a life set apart. It needs to be a life that's acceptable. It's got to be, it's got to be worth something. It's got to be valuable. And then he says this. He closes that. He says it's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship, according to Paul, is not simply just singing. Worship, loving God. We say we're here to love God and love people. Loving God worship isn't just singing. It's giving your all in, your life to Jesus. To say whatever you want, God. I'm climbing up the altar. My life is yours because of what you've done for me. Now, when you're ready to sacrifice you'll start to experience transformation. We're going to see that in, chapter, in verse 2. It's coming up. But transformation starts with sacrifice. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. A lot of times I throw out a couple of application things for you to think through. I'm really going to give you one, maybe two, depending on who you are. I'm going to ask you all to do something with me for a week. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice out of your life 30 minutes every day for seven days. We'll call it the 30 for seven. 30 minutes of your day for seven days. That's what I'm going to ask you to sacrifice. And, and here's what I want you to do. 30 minutes of time just for you and Jesus to communicate together. Just for you and God to get together. And I'm going I'm to help you out here. There's three things I want you to do during that time. One is I want you to get into your Bible sometime during that 30 minutes. Now, on your way out, we, we have these every week, all the time. On your way out, we've got devotional guides that we buy and, and we give to you. They're just, they're printed. They're, there's black and white print things. You might have picked one up. If you came to small groups on Sunday, you might have one already. If you didn't, I want you to take one. And I'd love for you to start tonight if you've got 30 minutes or start on Thursday whenever you've got the 30 minutes. But let's say you start tonight, you go home, you open up that devotional to May 7th. It's going to give you some, some Bible verses to read. It's going to give you some questions to answer, to think through. It's going to give you maybe some explanation on those verses so it makes sense. During that 30 minutes, spend some time reading the Bible. That's step one. Step two is pray. And you might sit there and go, I don't, I don't know how to pray. All you have to do is talk to God. Here's what you do. Imagine if you're in your room during that 30 minutes, imagine that you're sitting on your bed and God is sitting on your bed. Now, I know that's going to be kind of weird at first, but just talk to him like he's there. Talk to him about the verses you just read. Talk to him about friends, family. Talk to him about the things that you want to transform in your life. Just talk to him. You might even try being quiet and listening and see if you can hear him talk back. Not audibly, but the Spirit of God inside you. But Bible, just 30 minutes reading your Bible, praying. And here's the other thing we're asking you to do. We put cards on your chair. What we're going to ask you to do during the series, and this is going to be hard for some of you, we're going to ask you to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know what? If that's too hard, just go with Romans 12, 1 or Romans 12, 2. Pick one of them. But during 30 minutes, 30 for 7, Bible study, prayer, 
and memorize, practice memorizing the scripture. 30 minutes, seven days. It's the only application I'm giving you. And I want you to try that, to sacrifice that time for you and Jesus to be focused together and see if God doesn't start transforming your life. But here's the second thing, and the band's going to come up because they're going to lead us in worship here in a second. Last week, last week there were like six of you guys. I don't know if you're here this morning. I was gone. Six people last week said, you know what, I want to give Jesus my life. I want to ask Jesus to come in and forgive me of my sin and change me forever. Maybe you didn't do it last week. Maybe you needed it this week. Is that transformation starts with sacrifice? Understand this. There would be no transformation at all, period, if Jesus himself hadn't become the sacrifice. So when we say transformation starts with sacrifice, it started at the cross. When Jesus sacrificed his life so that you could have a relationship with God. So that when you read the Bible and when you pray and you start memorizing these verses, God will start transforming you, but it starts with that relationship with him. So we're going to sing in a second. But I want to ask you this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want one, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to ask Jesus to come in your life. And here's what we're going to do at the end of the night. If you did that last week, or if you do that this week, I've got a clipboard and a pen and a piece of paper. During the song, I'm going to ask that you come down and write your name and number, name in a way that we can contact you. And you know what? I realize what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to walk down in front of everybody. I realize that. Not everybody in here is a believer, but a lot of people are. Those people are excited for you. I'm going to be really honest with you. If you're not willing to stand up in front of people who are primarily followers of Jesus, if you're not willing to stand up in front of them and say, I'm a follower of Jesus too, you may not be ready to follow Jesus. Because he's going to ask you to do a lot harder things. Because he's not interested in you staying the way you are. He's interested in transforming your life. And it's not always easy. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me. And if you want Jesus to come into your life, if you want to be forgiven, if you want heaven on the other side of this life, I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer. You can say it in your mind. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just say, Jesus, I have sin in my life. Say, I've made mistakes. I've done things that are offensive to you, God. And I want forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I believe that you became the sacrifice that bought my salvation. And then just say, Jesus, come into my life. If you pray that prayer, I want you to know you may not feel warm fuzzies, you may not feel anything, but what the scripture tells us is that the Spirit of God saved you just then. If you meant it, it's not the words your heart so if you prayed that prayer tonight or if you made a decision last week we want to be able to follow up with you about what's next we'll leave your name and number or name and a way to contact you during the song but I want to pray for the rest of us or even for you if you prayed that prayer and I want to pray this for you God 
We're going to give you 30 minutes a day for seven days. God, that's our test drive. We're going to jump in the seat with you and dare you to transform us. We're going to dare you to make us different when we come back together this week than we were last week. And so God, I pray that you would not let Satan convince us that we don't have 30 minutes because we're going to sacrifice. God, I'm begging you to start showing up and transforming us as we sacrifice. If you made a decision to follow Jesus this week or last week, during the song, come write your name down. You can go back to your seat. We're all going to stand and we're going to sing one last song together and then I'm going to come up and close this out. Tell you why this is important. A guy did research. His name is Joseph Berger. And he did this interesting research. It was in another country, but they discovered that the way you and I think is largely influenced by media, by words that we hear, even by what friends say. And here's what the research looked like. They put people in a supermarket that sold different kinds of wine. And they would play music over the supermarket that was like French music. And then the next week they played German music. And they tracked what people did bought. And what they found out was this. When they played French music, just in the background, people didn't hear it. People bought more French wine than they bought any other kind of wine. And the next week when they played German music, people bought more German wine. They didn't realize what was happening. But guys, here's why 30 for 7 is important. Because you need to start filling your mind with the Word of God, conversations with God, so that throughout the day, your life isn't influenced by media and what people say, but it's being influenced by the Word of God. Several of y'all made decisions tonight. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to contact you this week. We're going to aim for, we'll do it two different weeks. We're going to do it this week and and hopefully the next week. We're going to invite you guys, and we'll tell you about it, to come. If you made a decision at 6.30 next week, and probably one of the two, either 6.30 this week or 6.30 next week, because we just want to be able to like, kind of make sure you understand what's happening, what, what decision you made, answer questions. And then we're going to try to connect you with somebody, either a high school student or one of our adults, that we have cool adults, that can help you kind of start walking through this journey of what it means, and we'll tell you about it. Um, come check it out next week. We'll call you and remind you. If you're a believer, your job this week is to pray for the dozen of your friends that made a decision to walk with Jesus. Because here's what you know, because you've been there. And guys that made a decision, you need to know this. A decision to follow Jesus makes the devil very angry. So let me promise you this so you know ahead of time. You're probably on board for a pretty rough week this week. If, if you're getting serious about it, you go, man, I'm following Jesus. Satan, the devil, is going to do everything he can to make you renege on that decision. Because he hates you. And he doesn't want your life to be filled with purpose and salvation. So as believers, we're going to be praying for you. Um, and you just know that's coming. Next week, we'll talk a little bit further, and we'll get with you. Um, I am so excited. I mean, I showed I'm tired. But uh, I'm watching everybody come up, man, God and I just had some moments just for a minute ago because the decision some of y'all made is the, I made that decision when I was at an elementary school, and it's changed my life because God is good.